and welcome to the Busted Business Bureau Season 2. As always, I'm your host, Christian Borky. The Lincoln Lodge produces this podcast, and I have a fucking spectacular guest with me today. You can find her upcoming on What We Do in the Shadows and Upload, and you can stream her music on Spotify, and it's nothing but bangers, top down. It is Asia Lachey. Hey, thanks. Just, um, you know, a caveat. You won't see me on Upload or Shadows, but you'll see my name because I wrote episodes for Absolutely. both of those for the, um, at various Absolutely. seasons. But you can't look to at me. To me, that is no the same as seeing. <laughs> <laughs> I see anyone's name and immediately like, I just like light up and foam at the mouth. To me, that is seeing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, honestly, I kind of like it more. <laughs> it's mysterious. Today, we have a fantastic episode planned. It is about tuna, okay? Mm-hmm. Asia, what do we think about canned tuna? What emotions does that bring up for you? Honestly, I'm a fan. I'm not gonna lie, there is probably a point in elementary school where I was sent to school with like a pack lunch of those little like canned tuna mixy deals where you had like the relish in the mayo and you would like mix it yourself and have like little crackers. It was like a little lunchable, but so, for tuna. But it's just tuna and sauce and a cracker. It was like, yeah, like tuna, all the mixins and then crackers. And sometimes yeah, I guess would my like, question was the mixins are the you just said relish and mayo. So all I heard was. Yeah. Sauce. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the yeah, that's the I mean, I guess I'm trying to think my mom would put anything extra in there because like if I'm making it at home, I don't mind. Mm-hmm. I like a tuna sandwich. I'll put like mm. some boiled eggs in there, you know, Ooh. but like the little, the little lunchable deals, they just had the mayo and the relish and the tuna and the crackers. Um, Do you remember anything about the brands of tuna or anything about a I tuna think brand? that was Bumblebee. <gasps> I think. Okay. Is that a good one? Did I pick this a good one? A... Okay, good. <laughs> you picked, you picked literally the namesake of the episode today, uh, which is Bumblebee a tuna. Psych- I forgot to tell you I'm psychic, so. Be prepared for me to predict everything that's going to happen. So should I just redo the intro and just cut everything else and say psychic? Um, you know, I like, let's leave them surprised. Okay. <laughs> so I'm helped in huge part by seafoodsource.com and undercurrent.com, both of which are seafood industry specific news sites. That's one of which I now have a subscription to. Oh, that's so, really good. Uh, if you donate to... If you donate to my Patreon, thank you for uh, helping fund undercurrent.com's revenue. (laughs) Uh, The main character of today's episode is, again, Bumblebee Tuna, and also Chris Leshevsky. It'll be a while before we get into exactly what he's doing, his little schemes, but have that name in your mind. He was born at some point in September. Great name. He's a little over 60 years old right now. I like to think he's a Libra, even though I don't have the exact date of his (laughs) birthday. Uh, because I'm also a Libra, so I'm like, I'm going to assume he's a male Libra. And he has a thriving medium page, like he's got a medium blog, where he doesn't really talk about seafood, he talks about wine, because he just like loves wine. He was the CEO of Bumblebee, Bumblebee Foods from 1999 to 2018. Just want to keep that in your mind. We're going to talk about the tuna industry. This whole thing is the canned tuna conspiracy. If you're alive in the 80s, you might remember that you could get canned tuna at a store in like seven ounce cans. They used to be fucking huge. Over time, they shrank them to six. And by the 2010s, they shrank to five ounces. I forgot the word for shrank fully. I wasn't born in the 80s because I'm just a tiny little baby. But from my recollection, yeah, I had the little tiny mini, tiny little can. Mm -hmm. They used to have 
big honking tuna, but over time, uh, mysteriously, they shrank. U.S. consumption of canned tuna has experienced a vertigo-inducing slide from 3.9 pounds per capita in 89 to less than 3 pounds in 2000. It would fall to just over 2 pounds by 2016, which apparently, that was from the LA Times, vertigo-inducing. Love that language (laughs) to describe tuna. I mean, I had never known. I was wondering. I was like, what are the stats on tuna, man? Who knows? <laughs> but other seafood is stable or rising. It's notable that canned tuna specifically has a significant decrease in volume over the 90s and early 2000s. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Experts aren't quite sure why it's happening. It could be any number of reasons from the increase in dolphin safety awareness to the cultural implications of canned tuna. Like it's just not cool anymore <laughs> to eat canned tuna because it was famously cool before. I kind of thought it was kind of cool when I would bring it to lunch and I got to like cook a little thing, like I got to mix it together and like make my own. Like I think that was the appeal for me in elementary school at least. I love being a kid who can cook things and I never got to really be that. Like the most I would do was like put an egg in ramen, you know. Well, I don't know. That's kind of fancy. I, I wasn't, my mom couldn't really cook either. So like we were both just struggling in the kitchen. <laughs> But uh, despite your best efforts to make it cool, other people did not find it as cool. I'm so sorry to tell you. Mm. But despite this dramatic fall in actual cans of tuna being sold, the profit margins for the three main canned tuna companies don't fall, especially in the period between 2010 and 2013. Let's talk about the main three players, shall we? All three of the companies that I'm about to mention are owned by private equity firms, which I only re- like learned like three days ago what that actually meant. <laughs> it's not my equity, so, it's private, so I'm going to let them have it. The way that, or I guess the benefit of private equity is that you are not beholden to reporting shit to the public quarterly. There's a lack of transparency that is quite appealing in private equity. Yeah, I like that. I don't want people to see my business And so, Exactly. So dudes with a lot of money buy the the seafood companies. And there are really only three main packaged seafood distributors in the United States because they definitely have what is almost a monopoly, (laughs) uh, which is... What? (laughs) In the United States? But that's illegal. Can you believe? (laughs) Did somebody tell them it's illegal to do that? They haven't opened my letters. They won't respond. (laughs) You have to delete this podcast. We have to tell them first. They might not even know. (laughs) The first player in this is Starkist, which has that little dolphin on it with the glasses who looks like a virgin. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Hey. (laughs) Like what Flipper's the the dolphin who fucks and Starkist is the fucking nerd dolphin. Wow. (laughs) Listen, you could start the fourth biggest tuna company in the United States. I like this tuna beef. The dolphin I like this like water beef that we're starting. Let's go on. Let's keep this going. Who else is there? <laughs> so their private equity firm is Dongwan, <laughs> and Dong. <laughs> <laughs> and most of Dongwan and Starkist, I don't really care, but. <laughs> This is from an upcoming lawsuit that we'll talk about. But, quote, Dongwon is no stranger to antitrust violations. Antitrust meaning, like, uh, monopolies and yeah. shit. In the food industry. In June of 2011, one of its subsidiaries was fined 1.31 billion Korean won by the Korean Fair Trade Commission for conspiring with three other firms to rig prices in the South Korean cheese market. Dongwon's subsidiary were found to have participated in a, quote, covert organization established for the purpose of such price fixing. They had multiple meetings with competitors in 2007-2008 in which they agreed to raise cheese prices prices by 15 to 20%. This is a little thing that we call in the industry uh, foreshadowing. Okay, so there's the cheesy conspiracy prior to mm-hmm. the tuna conspiracy. The tuna conspiracy. Okay, so 
wow, I'm not going to be able to stop thinking about the cheese conspiracy, though. Now I'm, I'm going to have to dig into that <laughs> afterwards. As soon as the conspiracy cheese, the conspiracy cheese. <laughs> Ooh, wow. Okay. What do I think about that? <laughs> Dark sided. Generally, Starkiss is not the most important character, but it did hold nearly 35% of the market share of canned tuna sales in around 2013, and it was the biggest player in the game. Not bad. Which for becomes a important later. <laughs> Okay. Virgins can do can accomplish a lot in society. Maybe fucking, but he got a little bit of money, so hey. Yeah. <laughs> and that's hot. It's a little that's hot. Super hot. I don't know. The other one we got is Chicken of the Sea, which the private equity of uh, that is PCL International. Shu Wing Chan is the president and CEO of Chicken of the Sea, and he becomes a key player in the drama later. Period. That's wow. It. I, I, was, I hate reading numbers. I wanted you to what? say that Jessica Simpson bought Chicken of the Sea, and because she's Whoa. like a billionaire now, and I feel like. She should do that because mm. I want it to be associated. I feel like she should it's, right, it's going to be associated with her, so she should mm-hmm. get some money from all of that. But we can talk to Jessica about that later. Hey, you know what? This podcast was put on the top like one hundred percent or one hundred podcasts that were entrepreneurial, so and it seems like that's yeah. It seems like that's really successful entrepreneurial advice that we're I getting think, for free. I think she podcast. might even she might listen to this episode. So just like tag her just in case because she's a businesswoman. She likes business. I love your audiobook. If you're listening, Jessica, you're the, you're the best. <laughs> Everybody go get her audiobook. Glad we got that one up. It <laughs> has, has bonus songs in it, so I have to plug the audiobook so you guys can hear her yeah. beautiful voice. Um, okay, so continue. Chicken of the Sea, Jessica Simpson, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, I, was, I love going on a podcast to promote other people's shit. It's just like these guys, they suck. But Jessica Simpson is great. So as long as we can like, yeah. take more attention for her and less attention for these men, mm-hmm. Who are like? Who cares about them? They don't have an audiobook with bonus songs on it. The ethos of this podcast is who cares about okay, men. Okay, good. Who I'm the right cares place. about <laughs> men? It's like business, business, business. Okay, girl. We get it. You're overcompensating. All right. But yeah, Bumblebee is the main character for the the big three. They're called the big three Regina of George. the tuna okay, industry. Okay, got it. Yeah, the big. The, did you say the big George? That's the Regina George. Ah, I, the Regina George. <laughs> yes. yes, I thought the big George, and I was like, is that a business term? <laughs> I know business. You didn't know I went to business school. Ooh, <laughs> I didn't. Bum, the Bumblebee brand was created in 1910 by. Why did I write all this down? It doesn't matter. Nobody cares. <laughs> but it was created in 1910 by a group of canners who had organized themselves over a decade earlier as the Columbia Rivers Packer Association. Cool. I'm gonna steal that name. <laughs> There's a lot of legs you can have with the Columbia Rivers Packer Association. I know. It's just like a, it's it can a, mean a lot. Yeah, of it's like a cool combination of words. I'm kind of into that aesthetically. Mm, it like fires something off in your brain. Mm-hmm. But the men still in, don't like them. No, I, I will not come around on any of them. <laughs> In 2008, Bumblebee became a private company when it was acquired by Center Partners. Two years later, Center Partners sold Bumblebee for $980 million to another private owner. I don't know where they get this money. Lion Capital, which is a stupid name for a private equity firm. Lion Capital? I mean, as a Leo, I have to stand. So I'm team Lion Ah, Capital now. I'm glad they got money. (laughs) It just sounds like what a a child would name a company. Yeah, that's what I would name it. (laughs) (laughs) If I was a child with $90 million, I'd be like, "Mm, Lions. I like lions today. <laughs> Lion is the current owner of Bumblebee. They're based in the UK, which I had done a lot of research of them coming back into the story, and I realized I put absolutely none of it in. <laughs> so it didn't matter why I said any of that. I mean, <laughs> but hey, now you know. It might come back around. You never know. We got to mention Jessica Simpson. 
Mm-hmm. We got to We've been through a lot. Girls, you know, we got to hit all the important pop culture icons. All, all the beats. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that is the three main characters, the, um, the, the Regina George, the Gretchen Wieners, the Karen. What the hell is her last name? Karen. Karen. I almost said Karen Spiders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I what is Karen's last name? I don't remember. Let's talk about fish aggregating devices. Yes. In the wake of the environmental movement, specifically the dolphin safe movement, in the later part of the 20th century, people started turning to fish aggregating devices for commercial tuna harvesting. And before they would do this thing called like purse seining, which is what most people imagine when they think of fishing. It's like that big ass net that like uh, cups up at the top. It's the thing that the fish in Finding Nemo right. in the climax of the film get trapped so in. Scary. Nemo goes into it. Terrifying. That is, yeah, it was so frightening. Fish aggregating devices. I find this delightful, even though it's uh, environmentalists hate it mm. and they should. But it's like a big decoy fish, basically that they just like put into the water because, and this is a quote from Wikipedia, quote, fish are enchanted by floating objects. They use them to mark locations for mating activities. They aggregate in considerable numbers around objects such as drifting floats, rafts, jellyfish, floating seaweed. The objects appear to provide a quote, visual stimulus in an optical void and offer refuge for juvenile fish from predators. And so they put in like a huge decoy fish and then all the fish like get excited about it and get hyped and get around it. And then they scoop them up. That was like a very scientific way to say they get a big horny fish to come draw (laughs) this. Like it's a, it's a sexy fish. They get a, they get a sexy fish mannequin. They throw it in the water. All the dudes are like, look at those sexy boobs on that fish or whatever. I wanted to know what you were going to call like fish titties. I was waiting for like fish titties. That makes sense. And that's the way to lure any man, any species, fish titties. <laughs> I think it is so pure and sweet that fish are just like really attracted to giant fish. I think the same thing. I think of a woman over five foot eight and I start, I, I, I pass out. I fall to my knees. Yeah, I've always been a big like, a, like a Broadway diva who just like looks tall, even if she's short, but just like. She just looks tall from far, like her energy is tall. That's my, that was like my goal when I was little. I was like, I want to grow up to, I'm 5'2", but like I feel very tall. And I, you do not give off 5'2 energy. I've only ever seen you sitting down. You do not look 5'2". That's what I'm going for. (laughs) I feel like it's like you can like exude tallness and then like having big Mm -hmm. titties does help. Have you ever worked remotely? As in like there's colleagues that you have met only remotely in some sort of work environment. Yeah, I guess, yeah, pretty much for the past two years. I keep meeting people, but I guess I don't have to, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, okay, yeah, I've been in some rooms. Have they ever told you how tall they think you are? I don't think we've had that conversation. I would suggest you have that conversation because I started opening those doors when I was working remotely. And I was, it, the things that, it really reveals a lot. And learning how tall people actually are yeah. is nuts. That is interesting. I'm going to put that in my pocket. <laughs> Finding out that like some unassuming dude is like six foot seven. Craziest day of my yeah, life. Yeah, one of my friends is really tall. And I did, he sat next to me for a year in school and before I knew he existed. And I was like, <laughs> how? He's so large. But I swear you're invisible. And he was like, yeah, I just hunch. And I guess that oh. it just like made him invisible. He's so tall when I saw him like the following year. He must hunch really deep. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly still don't. It, one of my other friends was like, he literally sits next to you in class. What are you talking about? And I was like, what do you mean? 
<laughs> You're like, this man is two-dimensional. Like, li- he's literally a, a piece of paper. <laughs> There's something next to me. Nobody sits next to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess it's a person. Part of the issue with fish aggregating devices is that a lot of like endangered fish, specifically endangered sharks, also find big, beautiful women fish hot. And so a, a shit ton of endangered species and also dolphins are getting swept up dolphins from these like fish aggregating devices. Though, like dolphins. I know. They, they just love life. Hey, they live laughing. Relatable. <laughs> the supply of tuna over the years, especially in the early 2000s, was far outpacing the demand. That's a little thing in economics, supply and demand. Heard of it? <laughs> Very businessy episode today. Also, it, fads contribute to one million tons of tuna that is caught per year. One million tons, which is to me an unfathomable number. There, there's a Washington Post article that comes out that analyzes tuna consumption and tuna prices over time, and how much American consumers are spending on tuna. Which, <laughs> not me showing you a graph over Zoom, Ooh. but. <laughs> um, so the thing that is falling is like people eating tuna, mm-hmm. but this is the amount of money they're spending on tuna, which is going up over time. Okay, silly. As a, yeah, so they're consuming less tuna, but paying the exact same price for it. So in, in fact, the tuna prices are increasing. Yeah. This is a problem for a lot of consumers because canned tuna is widely known as like a cheap staple protein that people need protein to live. It's kind of this crazy cool thing. <sighs> and... People in the meat and other protein industries continuing to monopolize has definitely had a negative impact on American consumers. That's what the Washington Post article was saying, at least. And I tend to agree. That's fair. (laughs) But let's put prices aside. Let's stop talking about prices of fish. I want to talk about a death, okay? This is, it has to do with the story in that it has to do with workplace safety Mm. and governmental regulations but in a way it doesn't have to do with the conspiracy i just read about it and i was so disturbed and traumatized that i needed like (laughs) i needed a long time to think about Mm. it can i tell you yes please okay listener this is your chance to like skip ahead a few minutes uh (laughs) if you do not want to listen but all i so again everything i said about supply demand economics tuna fish aggregating devices it'll come back i wouldn't put this on the busted business bureau unless it had to do with workplace safety the way that tuna cans get sanitized is that they're put into this giant industrial oven and heated up. And that is how, like, once the tuna's in the can and the can is sealed, they get into the oven and they, you know, light them up. Okay. For years, OSHA has been begging companies, including Bumblebee Tuna, to include cameras inside these machines and exit routes in these machines mm. and alarms to press inside mm-hmm. and better practices around safety is mm. in like checking in with all the employees where they are. Ah, my senses are tingling. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> uh, around 5 a.m. on October 11th, 2012, 60-year-old Jose Milena, a husband and a father of six children, noticed that there was something wrong with the machine. The only way you can fix the inside of this machine is to enter yeah. it. He entered the machine from the inside, which is the only way to fix the problem. Unaware that he was in the machine, they continued loading oh, it geez. and blocked the only entrance slash exit. His desperate pleas to get out went unheard, and for two hours, oh, my goodness. he was cooked to death at 270 degrees, surrounded by canned tuna. Wow. That is the worst. Wow. That is so terrible. 
quote, I've been a prosecutor for more than 20 years. I've tried more than 40 murder cases, and this is the worst circumstances of death I've ever, ever witnessed, a deputy DA said. Quote, I think any person would prefer to be, if they had to die in some way, to be shot or stabbed rather than slowly cooked to death in another. There are so many other ways. So many other ways to go. So when they opened it at 7 a.m., he was already gruesomely and tragically dead. Of course. Again, having suffered for, I mean, I don't know how long he put, could have possibly been alive for those two hours, but like, it was two hours he was in the oven. How hard could it have been to put a button? How hard could it have been to put I in mean, a button? I mean, they said just put, they asked you to put a button. Just put the button. It's not that. Or a camera or an exit route or an anything a or even bell, you, you something come on you don't have to a bell you don't even have to do any of that just better like checking in where is everybody is nobody in the oven great oh do we have the same amount of people on the floor that we started with even that bare Buddy minimum system, you don't maybe. have to pay any money for that i don't know it is gruesome horrifying and i the family made a super short statement about it like they haven't really talked about it a lot i would assume for obvious yeah. reasons so I want to be respectful and don't and not want to harp on it too much. But there was a settlement paid out to them. It was a $1.5 million settlement to just the family. The rest went to like legal fees and everything, which to me feels astonishingly low. Yeah, no, because that's like a really avoidable thing. <laughs> it's just what... An avoidable it's, death. Yeah, I just feel like you don't get to make any more tuna after that. I would agree. I feel like it should I be their tuna that. business now, and they get to do with it what they want. Like, nah, you don't get mm-hmm. to keep being a business. I can't even imagine. They're, like, Chris Lashevsky, the person I mentioned at the beginning, who was the CEO of Bumblebee Tuna at this time, continues being the CEO after this, which he's not, I guess, directly culpable because he had plant safety directors and managers and everything who were named in the lawsuit, and they did have to pay the fines. And one of them had, like, 30 days of community probation after this and had to do, like, a class on workplace safety. Mm-hmm. Shut the whole business down. Everybody go home. Shut the whole thing down. So again, I only bring this up because it is, first of all, the worst possible fate a person could suffer. And it's directly because of the negligence of a company regarding regulations and oversight, which I guess is a thematic connection to the rest of this, Mm -hmm. but is not necessarily connected. So sorry to have to dump that all on you. (laughs) I'm I'm dumping. I'm trauma dumping. Yeah. Yeah. And to have this weighing on your conscience for the rest of your career, the rest of your life, I would assume, for the CEO, I, yeah. I don't know how to wake up in the morning. Yeah, he sucks. Anyways, back to mergers and merger attempts. Yeah, merge. Let's merge. Let's get in the car, put on our blinker, and merge. <laughs> Blinkers. <laughs> Sorry, I'm in L.A. I'm like, Are you outing yourself as someone who doesn't use oh, blinkers? Oh, I don't even drive because these people don't use blinkers. So I said, you know what? I it's see. a wild, wild west over here. I'm going to just stay in the house. Do you take the train? Um, no, usually I just like an Uber. But I have taken the train before. It's mad mm. cute. L.A.'s train is super adorable. I can't imagine going from Chicago to L.A. and then having to deal with the public transportation situation. Uh, yeah, it's... I mean, it's a lot cleaner because it's never being used. So, like, if you're in a place where it's convenient to get on it, then, like, yeah, I, I highly recommend L.A. public transit. It's real fun. But, um, but yeah, it's, like, not as convenient as Chicago. Chicago's so easy to get around. I know. I love this city. Yeah, it's cute. <laughs> <laughs> All right, around 2014, the parent company of Chicken of the Sea wanted to merge with Bumblebee. 
And remember that Starkist had owned around 35% of the market share of tuna. Merging Bumblebee and Chicken of the Sea would have resulted in something of over 40% of the market share, which immediately sets off every single red flag of the government's antitrust division. Because famously, we have a part of the government that's supposed to investigate these things and do something about it. This merger proves to be unsuccessful. Oh, wait, your sound's gone again. Oh, you're looking at me. Okay, there you are. <laughs> I can hear you. Sorry. No, I was just fully talking. Um, do you want me to reread? Did you hear any of what I just said? Um, you were talking about the government. We're like, yeah, if these two bad bitches link up, then they're going to... It's bad. It's bad. It's bad not in the way the bad bitches usually right? like, are bad. These are bad bitches. Like, these bad these <laughs> bitches are not good. We don't these like these bitches. Naughty. Yeah. <laughs> misbehaving. <laughs> so this merger proves to be unsuccessful oh, because these bad bitches cannot link. And this is where shit really hits the fan. There's also now a series of class action lawsuits from a variety of grocery companies. Walmart, Kroger, Piggly Wiggly. Ooh, okay. (laughs) Now, Walmart, problematic. Kroger, very loyal to Kroger. Now, a Piggly Wiggly. (laughs) Piggly Wiggly. Now, that was a deep cut there. Now, I... Here's okay. I'm gonna have to do a little little asterisk about Piggly Wiggly. Please. This is why Piggly Wiggly will always have a permanent spot in my heart because I only went to Piggly Wiggly when I would visit my family who lived in South Carolina. And so uh-huh. I was pretty young. This is, I was maybe like eight or nine, something like that. Mm-hmm. Piggly Wiggly, when this is around the time when loyalty cards at grocery stores started being popular, like in uh-huh. the 90s. And um, Piggly Wiggly had a loyalty card for kids. <gasps> And if you're a kid no like me who liked, ha- like, I liked having a wallet. I had, like, a kid wallet. So when they gave me that kid <laughs> loyalty card, I was like, I can put this in my kid wallet. And, like, basically every time you came to Piggly Wiggly, you got, like, a toy. Like a little, you like, f- a little, like, kids meal style Piggly Wiggly toy or whatever that you could just get with your loyalty kids card. Is that not the coolest fucking thing you've ever heard of? That is the greatest idea I've ever so heard So Piggly Wiggly is a real one. We love Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> We love the Piggly Wiggly. Uh, I, I every single part of that story got more and more delightful <laughs> with each sentence. <laughs> yeah, like I, like I said, Piggly Wiggly is like truly a spot in my heart. Like my heart swells when I hear those words together. Because like, what a great name! First of all, yes, that is a great grocery store name. And then also Absolutely. reward the children for having a grocery. Because I hate grocery shopping, so thank you for making it fun for me. I don't understand why everybody doesn't do that. Piggly yeah. for the kids. The Jewel Osco near me has a customer in training cart that's for kids, which I, I don't like as much as the loyalty card. The loyalty card yeah, is no, that customer in training sounds like dystopian. That seems very consumer. Like, we're training little consumers. Little consumers. That's exactly. Whereas loyalty is like, yeah. you did a good job being here at the grocery store, child. We know you don't like being here. Here's a reward. Like, that is how I <laughs> yeah. should be treated. At a gr- I don't have no money. I'm a kid. Why, why am I even here? Was it, little, was it like stamped every time you went? Like, what was the card? I, don't, I feel like it was like really cheap, like cardboard. <laughs> like, maybe like one-sided, <laughs> too. Like, it was like really, really cheap. But like, it fit perfectly in my little ID slot of my wallet. So... Do you think maybe one of your family's friends from the Piggly Wiggly just made it for you? If, uh, look, I don't know if I don't know if that family liked me enough to do something like that. Like they weren't really the wholesome side. They were like, "Yes, too spoiled." That's why I sent you down to South Carolina, and I was like, "Okay." <laughs> I've never met them, but I can imagine that was a great. I, I'm a sensitive child, so um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to do. Sorry. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, uh, the, it was a it was a bright spot in like a very weird vacation. Uh, going to the grocery store on vacation as a kid, <laughs> uh, nothing more humiliating. <laughs> <sighs> Thank you, Pickley. So, anyways, everyone in this grocery lawsuit is like, why are the prices of canned tuna? continuously increasing but like regular tuna the prices are not mm. uh, because again oversupply of tuna right. and during this time period quote the doj b- began investigating the collusion in the u.s canned tuna industry following a, a failed bid um to buy for bumblebee and chicken of the sea to merge it's unclear when thai union began cooperating with the doj but according to the doj's corporate leniency policy it did not have yet information about illegal activity that was likely to result in a sustainable conviction when thai union in- initiated the contract with the department all of the class action lawsuits from Walmart, Piggly Wiggly, get put on hold for the DOJ investigation. Mm-hmm. But it's worth noting that all of them are like, hey, we noticed that uh, something's fishy. Oh, my God, fishy. That's I didn't good. even mean for that to be a problem. That's good. You're a natural. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like a pretty they good look. cast, though, like of the grocery stores. Like, they're the grocery stores that are going to get some people investigating, especially Walmart, you know, very powerful. Mm-hmm. If there's one thing they're going to do, it's get that fucking money. Yeah. That's all Walmart wants. Any, they're very uh, precious about being like, we're protecting like, our consumers. We have low prices, okay? So you're resting up mm-hmm. our brand right now. <laughs> Here's what they allege that the three companies were doing. Quote, agreeing to decrease the size of the cans. Agreeing to issue collusive list price increases on canned tuna. Agreeing to limit promotional activity for different packaged seafood products. And agreeing to not compete from... It's, eight, it's a complicated sentence. All of them agreed to not do fad-free products, basically. Mm-hmm. So fad-free is like... Uh, environmentalists hate fads. Uh, the fish aggregating devices. Oh, okay. So all of them agreed to not sell fad-free like sustainable woke tuna Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) which famously that's the way i get my tuna woke i (laughs) will not eat sleeping tuna only (laughs) black lives matter a cap tuna for me (laughs) (laughs) get that all lives matter tuna out of (laughs) here i love being a clown I love this podcast. I'm having a great time. I hope you're having a good time. Oh, too. I'm having a blast. <laughs> having a blast. The lawsuit uh, sought damages estimated at three times the amount that Walmart alleges it was overcharged by. So Walmart said, you know, we're overcharged by 100 million. You owe us 300 million. Mm, that sort of thing. I like that. The total was to be determined at the trial. It's a lot of money. It's, quote, at or near the valuation of each of the big three tuna companies. Yeah. So they're like, your entire net worth is mine now. Honestly, Walmart was like, we tuna. want the tuna company. Give it to us then. <laughs> I'm fine. If, as long as somebody takes it away from them, someone needs to take this company. They don't get to yeah. run business anymore. <laughs> I wish, that, I like wish the business ran more like, like drumline or whatever. Like if you mess up <laughs> and someone challenges you for your business, then you get to, like, if you're running a better business, then you get to take it. <laughs> because every time running you mess a up. business like drumline, genius. <laughs> I like how they approach things in the movie. I was like, yeah, if you see somebody doing something, you're like, I can do that better. You go up to them and you're like, look at me do it better. And then if you do it better, then you take their job. And then that's what it then is. Then it's yours. It's yours. That seems so fair. I think more of society would be more functional and successful if things ran like drumline. I think so. What, I don't know what, like capitalism, out. Whatever drumline is, that's what the new thing should be. <laughs> 
You heard it here first. Just battle. We're just battling everybody. <laughs> battling for jobs. Just. The dominoes start to fall after the antitrust investigation begins. Almost instantaneously, Chicken of the Sea betrays Bumblebee too. <laughs> who would have predicted that all these shady men would start backstabbing each other? I love it. The... Shu uh, Wing Chan, the president and CEO of Chicken of the Sea, comes out and says that, yes, in fact, we did collude. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I love that. I love that. Throw them under the bus. <laughs> he testifies that they had an, uh, an understanding with each other that was unspoken. And whenever they met at like tuna conferences, of which there are many. Wait, hold on. I have a lot of questions about that sentence. You can't even finish it yet. Like, how do you have a nonverbal agreement if it's not written? I think vibes is what it, what he was going no, for. No, baby, you need the receipts. Is, no, baby, you need receipts. Chris Lashevsky has a huge problem with this because he's like, he can't prove why any would he make of what me, he's saying. Why would he make me team with Chris? But Chris is right. Like, no, girl. <laughs> if we're colluding, right. <laughs> if you're saying that we were colluding, please send the screenshots of the colludement. <laughs> and the reason why... Shu Wing Chan does this is because uh, it, so Starkist and all three of them are found guilty of violating antitrust uh, shit mm-hmm. as companies in 2016. Bumblebee pays 25 million for this. Starkist pays 100 million for this. Chicken of the Sea pays nothing because Shu Wing Chan came out first and got leniency or amnesty is what it's called uh, mm, okay. for being the first whistleblower. Well, hey. <laughs> so the thing is, the companies plead guilty. But that's not what the story's about. Oh, it is, but it isn't. Uh, the massive question on everybody's minds is who was orchestrating it? Who was the person in charge of all this collusion? Who's making who eyes? Who can we put in prison? Who, yeah, who's making Who is giving those collusion vibes first? <laughs> Since nobody speaking, said anything. The tuna speaking. <laughs> <laughs> was it in sign language? Like, I need to, I need, like, I'm trying to play the scene in my head. Of how do you... Of, like, nods or... Like, maybe talking about something else, uh, not explicitly talking about increasing the tuna prices. Like, it's a shame how those cheese guys colluded, right? We'd never do that. And then they, like, wink at each other. And that's what it is. I hope that's exactly. I hope it's that corny. Oh yeah! It seems like. Do you want to see a picture of Chris Lashevsky? I, I definitely to show need you a picture because I'm already okay. painting the picture in my mind. I forgot um, who I. Let me share my screen with you. I cast. Um, I'm afraid else. that I look like this. Oh my god! It's even better than I could have hoped. <laughs> oh my god! The choices that he made tell you everything you need to know about his leadership skills. Yeah. How do you follow a like- man who woke up in the morning and said? I'm going to lick my hand and slick my hair back like a wrestler. He does look like a wrestler. Like, this is Hulk Hogan's brother-in-law. What are you talking about? This is ridiculous. This man is not in charge of a company. I will drumline battle him for his company right now. Like, I could make some tuna that would really just blow him blow out of the water. Blow his tuna out of the water. He looks... that That man, like... Not to judge people. It's like not even like judging him how he looks. It's the choices that he made. Mm-hmm. The, ch- the mm-hmm. hair was a specific choice to grow the you hair. Can always choose your hair. To style yeah. the hair that way. Like he made multiple choices to look the way that he did. And people still trusted him. I, I don't mm-hmm. have faith in capitalism for these reasons. <laughs> how, does, how is he in charge of all the tuna? I don't get it. All the tuna? <laughs> I feel like also, it, but 
at the same time, if he looked like anything else, I would say the same thing. How is he in charge of all the tuna? <laughs> I don't know. If a hot guy was in charge of all the tuna, I'd be like, I get why y'all would let him get away with it, you know. Like if Jason Momoa, okay. if he was Jason Momoa, okay, we're doing the long hair, right? Like if he wanted to grow out mm-hmm. the hair and he didn't slick it back, he had the Jason Momoa thing and he was ripped and big and mm. did like, you know, dances, <laughs> did dances from his ancestors and showed us this his is, cultural, you know, his where he's from, then maybe I'd be like, okay, I can see how you got razzle-dazzled into letting this man run this um, company. I don't understand how y'all got distracted with that man. I'd be looking for reasons <laughs> to get him out of my face constantly. <laughs> where are the flaws? I'd like, I have a notebook. I'd be in, in HR. Like, he made all these mistakes. Here's the receipts. Get him out of here. Where's mm-hmm. the board? Who, is, who are the investors? I'll slide in their DMs. Like there are ways to anyway. Let me not. <laughs> I was enchanted. Let me not. T- let me not give all my business out. Like there are ways to destroy companies. Like no, 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 there aren't. I don't know any ways. I will never destroy any company. I can't think of a single way. This is an entrepreneurship podcast, after all. No, this is about <laughs> busted businesses, and I haven't busted any businesses personally. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> hey, don't 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 try me though. <laughs> For these crimes that he is sent to trial for, he is eligible to win a 10-year-long prison sentence and a $1 million fine were it to be a successful yes. trial. Uh, these are the stakes that we're dealing with. Two former senior vice presidents at Bumblebee cooperate with the DOJ. Ooh. A disaster Look, for Mr. Chris. None of these people are loyal. That's what y'all have to learn. No. It's senior vice president of trade marketing, Ken Worsham, and senior vice president of sales, Walter Scott Cameron. Of these two, Chris Lashevsky has this to say, quote, Scott and Kenny both worked with me for 15 years. Scott was aggressive. He was a competitor. I couldn't imagine he was involved in the price fixing, especially with his own pricing authority. Ken was an even bigger surprise, Lashevsky said. He was one of the first guys I hired. (laughs) (laughs) I love these kinds of stories. I love these stories. They're just like, I'm going to hire my friend. I love this guy, man. We golf together, man. Man, we complain about our wives together, man. We, man, this guy is great. And that's exactly who is going to sell you out so quickly. Like, Mm -hmm. why do you, I love it. I love that. Kenny and Scott both plead guilty. Don't, they don't even try. They don't even plead innocent. They're like, ah, we didn't. We don't care. Kenny said it was even, quote, like a movie where Leshevsky was trying to convince him to not cooperate with the DOJ. So they're at a dinner together. Leshevsky put his hand on Kenny's shoulder and he says, don't fuck this up, Kenny. Oh, my God. <laughs> One of my favorite things about just like existing in reality is when you run into people who are just like living a movie, like in those moments where they're just like, this is. The, and it's just like, girl, I. I have already made my mind up about what I was going to do. Like, this is a ridiculous situation. I do not care about you at all. This is a job. Like, this is literally a job. I have a family. Like, I don't give a fuck about you. You're giving me this dramatic Scarface ass speech trying to like with the spotlight and loyalty and family and like da 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 da. None of that means anything. Those are just words. Mm -mm. He did it, officer. It was him. (laughs) Like, I don't care. It's so fascinating the way that men imagine themselves in a movie. It is like a a specific kind of brain rot that really persists among like upper echelon white males in these sorts of positions. I get it. As a delusional person, I too like to be (laughs) in a movie. Just not that movie. Not that yeah. movie. Like, if I could pick what movie I'm going to be in, it's going to be, as I mentioned, Drumline. 
You Got Served, another movie where you just walk up to people and battle them. Like, I just, like, if I want to be in a fighty type of movie, there just has to be music, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like, they're never if bursting out movie- in song, you know? Nobody's ever, like, trying to convince me to do Ooh. some Break the Law with a musical number. Then maybe I'd play into that movie. Here's uh, the movie that I have picked that I would be in. I would be in Legally Blonde Ooh. if it was the musical adaptation. Of course. If yes. it was the pro shot on MTV that's on YouTube, that's the movie I want to live uh, in. That's 100% <laughs> the correct answer. Yeah. Oh my God, yes. Yes. <laughs> actually, I do. I actually do burst out in songs from that show quite often. It's a pretty singable show. Like, oh my I God, you guys is like a pretty standard phrase. Anytime there's something I need to tell you guys, I'll just, genuinely... oh my God, you guys. You just might as well sing it. Okay. <laughs> I heard that. Okay, look, I, look, I'm empty kid, sure, sure. A little musical theater nerd, I'll own up to it, whatever. <laughs> We're really a lot about you on Don't this podcast. Don't judge me. Piggly Wiggly loyal customer, drumline enthusiast, musical theater kid, oh, a Leo. Look, I am a, I have multi facets <laughs> all over the place. You contain multitudes. <laughs> So Lachewski's criminal trial is different than the civil trials in which Bumblebee and Starkist and whoever pled guilty. He's in court to accept personal responsibility for racketeering, a word that I also just learned. Mm. Racketeering just means scheming. I I always thought it meant something specific, like a specific money collusion plan. No, it just means scheming. It could even like refer to murder. You know, I, yeah, I assumed you had to have like a racket like there, like, which I, which I assumed is like a business, but like shabby like a shabby business i don't know yeah. what i thought our racket was like oh he's a racketeer he's in charge of that shabby underground casino over there it's a racket i don't know i picture like for some reason like a branch like a metal branch that you're shaking like a racket I don't- <laughs> okay i like this yeah i think we're better at language we should come up with words from now on mm-hmm. we're better at it <laughs> we're inventing new things here but in this case, I would just say scheming. Why isn't scheming a crime? Yeah. It's called racketeering because they want to sound smart. No, that's what it is. People just make up words. That's what I'm saying. Like, we could do that. We could just make up new words. So then November 2019 rolls around. For several weeks, this trial is going on. He took the witness stand for over six hours. No, shut up, Chris. What could you possibly <laughs> to have to say? This... He had so much to say that was so wrong. God. <laughs> he went point by point to the matters raised by the prosecution and witnesses and during the past three weeks of the trial. Here's what the prosecutors have to say in retrospect, because I, if I could, I would read exactly what he said, but that's not available yet. Yet. Thank God. Um, <laughs> but here's what the prosecutors have to say about what he was saying. Quote, defendant had no obligation to testify for his own defense. <laughs> that's like... He didn't. But he chose to do so, and he should be held accountable for his own false testimony. That is shade. <laughs> First of all, that prosecutor is shady boots. Like, to start off, like, first of all, ain't nobody even asked him to open his stupid mouth but he chose to. So we have to hold him accountable for all the dumb shit he said when he just could have shut up. Wow. Quote, he gave self-serving, implausible, and self-contradictory testimony regarding key facts. In doing so, defendant went well beyond merely denying his guilt or exercising his right to testify in his own defense. Rather, he gave demonstrably false testimony. Lie for no reason. You're just lying for no reason. For no reason. He also posts extensively on his Medium page. He posts all of his own arguments. <laughs> I don't understand that. Like, what is going on in your brain? It is, like you said earlier, a level of delusion that is. You know, going impressive. back to the picture. Okay, yeah, it makes sense. I guess he's just like, these are the right choices. This is right. Yeah. I'm right. And it's like, you can be right, but like, could you be quiet? He's sentenced, or he's, um, they find him guilty. Okay, <laughs> on December 3rd, 2019. 
Uh, and he isn't sentenced yet, so he doesn't know how long he's going to go to prison for. But on December 2nd, 2019, he tweets his final tweet. Oh, my God. <laughs> Here's his final tweet. This exceptional, vibrant Spanish white wine will set you back only $17. And then it's a link to wine. <laughs> wow, he went out like a whole influencer. Okay. <laughs> he did. <laughs> okay. Wow. I mean, all right, Chris. <laughs> This man loves wine. I wonder if they—he had to cut his hair when he went to jail, maybe. Oh, I don't know. I hope he got a whole makeover. I, I hope they like just America's Next Top Model just buzzed him. He's ultimately sentenced to forty months in prison with a one hundred thousand dollar fine, which it, again, if you remember, it was about to be ten years, and now it's only uh, like yeah. three and a half. Okay, three and some change, and the hundred thousand dollar fine. For their part, prosecutors try to argue that he shouldn't. Um, I'm sorry, the, his, his lawyers said that he shouldn't go physically to jail because he's over 60 and it's COVID now. Because uh, he was sentenced in like June of 2020. He kept getting pushed back when he was going to be sentenced. Uh, and then finally they were like, June 2020, here's how long you're going to prison for. So they're like, no, let this man serve his sentence from his house. And the prosecutors write, quote, rewarding the defendant with a non-custodial sentence to be served in a home with a private movie theater, mm. home gym, wine cellar, six bedrooms, seven and a half bathrooms, and shared with only two family members, while hundreds of millions of Americans shelter in place in significantly less opulent circumstances, sends a message to corporate executives that they're above the law and that their lifestyle alone is a get-out-of-jail-free card. True. Shady boots. Let them know. <laughs> Serve the regular jail. You did the regular crime. Go to regular jail. Bye. <laughs> DOJ attorney Leslie Wolf said during Wednesday's hearing that Lifshevsky is, quote, totally unrepentant. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. He didn't, he didn't just issue an unembellished denial. He went above and beyond that, providing a completely alternative version of events. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. I, the, the delusion of thinking that like that would work too. I mean, mm-hmm. he, I wonder what else he's gotten away with to make him so confident. Hmm. Oh, he is convinced. Oh, you know, I'll read this later. But he's convinced that this is a victimless crime. <laughs> All I'm so saying I guess that's is that the trickle down effect of Piggly Wiggly having to pay more <laughs> for their tuna could adversely affect the child loyalty program and the accompanying toys. So if they got to cut back, the children mm-hmm. aren't giving them money. The children aren't, that was just a gift from their heart. So if they got to scale back, where do you think they're going to scale back, Chris? With your ugly hair. Look, I, I won't fight you personally, he- Chris. Pull up. Because you're not about to get loyalty cards taken away from Piggly Wiggly. You're not, you know... <laughs> I honestly think he would listen to this podcast. Good. I don't think he's above it. Good. Listen to it, Chris. I have Chris, followers on Twitter. Jessica Simpson, does. I hope you're both listening. One of you is my favorite person. One of you is my enemy. <laughs> and this story is still ongoing. None of the class action lawsuits have been litigated or settled mm. because this DOJ investigation took fucking five years. Right. But you know what? Me and 273 other people watched Chris Leshevsky's lawyer argue on Zoom <gasps> to get an appeal. Oh. <laughs> you can find it on YouTube. Was he there? Uh, he was not there. Okay. He was not on Zoom. But his lawyer, both of the lawyers are clearly in their bedrooms, which is just like so sexy. <laughs> it's so crazy to think about the last few years. Um, wait, no, I'll, I'll screenshot it with you because I have a picture in front of me. Uh, but this is the, this is it. This is literally like mm. deciding how long he's going to go to jail for if he's not going to go to jail. His lawyer did a bad job. 
Like, he was so terrible. I mean, I'm not shocked to even pick a bad lawyer considering he just makes bad choices. The three-judge panel from the U.S. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals wrote in its decision that, quote, Lisevsky's challenge would fail under any standard of review. <laughs> the evidence that Lisevsky participated in a scheme to fix the prices in the Cantuna market was overwhelming. In addition to documentary evidence, several of Lisevsky's co-conspirators testified at the trial that the conspiracy existed and that Lisevsky knew about the conspiracy and that he was a member of it. This included testimony that Lisevsky was substantially involved in orchestrating, implementing, and enforcing the price-fixing agreements. So that is what they have to say about his appeal to not go to jail. <laughs> They're like, Too bad. No. You have to go. That's where you, you belong like, there. But now, Chris Leshevsky posts about it on Medium. <clears throat> oh, God. Because of course he does. <laughs> Somebody take his he goes, computer quote, away. The saga is now over and the government has won. For now. <laughs> While the government argued fervently that I should spend 10 years in prison for my, quote, heinous crime, the court has sentenced me to 40 months in prison, 40 months away from my wife and son, for a crime I did not commit, he still denies it, and a crime for which there was no victim. It is an unjust verdict based largely on testimony from cooperating witnesses. It's an unjust verdict that I will appeal. <laughs> okay, so if he, if the government is his enemy, mm -hmm. and the grocery stores are also his enemy, <laughs> and I'm his enemy, <laughs> I almost feel like friends? he is the bad guy. Because, like, his hmm. friends also snitched on him. They did. His co-colluders, they, they were like, he that. did it. And then he <laughs> got on the stand and then snitched on himself mm -hmm. because he is dumb. So I almost feel like he is his own enemy as well. So yeah. everybody is he, his enemy. He sounds like a lot to be around, regardless of what that Six a lot is. Six hours, you said, he talked? Six hours he talked on a Monday. On Monday, November 24th or whatever well, it was. First, Six hours. Starting off the week, just, I got stuff to say. You didn't ask, <laughs> but here it is. Okay, well. Yeah. I'll so, never eat tuna the same. Yeah, now <laughs> Bumblebee went bankrupt in the wake of this. <gasps> what? And I then no it was bought out by, I think it's called TCF or FCF, which is an overseas tuna company. Not a pop So it star. still in a way exists, but it did in fact file for bankruptcy, sold all of its assets to a, what is it called? A stocking horse bidder, which I don't even remember what the fuck that means. The, if your life's going to be a movie, just like make it, make that part more of like a movie too, you know? Like that's a bad mm -hmm. ending for Bumblebee. I don't like the way that was written. And then There's ongoing litigation at, against Lion Capital. Mm -hmm. The only reason I mentioned it is because they're like, Lion Capital is also liable because y'all knew this entire time and you did nothing. Well, the owner's a uh, child. But... How would we know? It's a baby. <laughs> There's the baby. It's called Lion. It's like, I'm six. I go to the Piggly Wiggly and get toys like I everybody else. I just got else. this Lion stuffed animal. That's why I named my company that. I don't know. I'm a billionaire baby. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the boss baby. That's the origin of boss baby. Exactly. <laughs> that's where it all started. Good times. Story. And Starkist remains to this day. Chicken of the Sea remains to this day. Chris Leshevsky is currently serving out his prison sentence, which w will end within like a year and a half. Because it's been, you know, two years. Okay. All right. So well, once that. We'll see what's next he, on the horizon for him. I'm sure he's got big plans. I'm sure he's got many medium articles to write. Oh he's got many tweets to post because he tweets a lot. I feel like <laughs> as soon as he gets out, someone is going to immediately hand him a business to run. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that, he, I feel like that's what his, happens. His lawyers tried arguing that the emotional damage and humiliation of this lawsuit is already like enough punishment because they're like, he'll never work again. And it's like, but he will. If emotional damage had some type of like, monetary or like time served <laughs> girl the where's the bank 
Where's the deposit slip? Because I... I'm a black woman. I have a lot of emotional damage that I would like to trade in for whatever purse <laughs> I can get too. If there's, if we're doing that, if taking coupons for emotional if damage. You could put that on like your taxes every year, the amount of emotional damage you incur. Girl, I could write off all this trauma. Let me find out, Chris. Let me find out me if itemize. it works out for you. Let me. <laughs> That's a precedent we can set. He also he's his LinkedIn is updated. It says he used to be the CEO of Bumblebee Tuna for 20 years, but now he's consulting. <laughs> he's advising and consulting. He'll help you out with your business. Aren't we all? <laughs> aren't we all just consulting our way through it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. My microphone. <laughs> what a strange. Oh. oh, man. How strange. And that is the entire. That's the canned tuna conspiracy wild ride did you enjoy the ride uh are your hands and legs in the vehicle my favorite part is like <laughs> is how immediately the guys are like yeah no we did it bye <laughs> <laughs> like if this was a movie i would rewind the part where they gave him up like everybody giving him up so easily like that's the part <laughs> that is like so funny like people in his company people in the other companies everybody was just like he did it <laughs> Even he was like, I got to defend myself, and then just did it. And, like, couldn't tattle on himself any harder, you know? Oh, God, I got to love it. I guess I can't be mad. I guess I do like Chris. I turned around. I like Chris again. Sorry, Chris. No hard feelings. <laughs> you wound up Team Chris. Yeah, I actually, I feel bad for him now, because, like, if this was a movie, yeah, you'd be the star of the movie. So this is your, sh- this is your movie, Chris. Okay, you're the Steve Corral yeah. of this movie. He he has made his movie like yeah he's this he's created his own universe yeah. of which he's the star. Look, I can't even be mad. Okay, go off, sis. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well that's freaking Bumblebee Tuna, the canned tuna conspiracy. Asia, do you want? Do you have any final thoughts oh, on the matter? Man, what have we taken away? I, what business? What tuna business are you starting? <laughs> fresh tuna only. You know. We're not doing mm. the cans. Okay, so here's, I guess this is a question that I had. I don't know if you know the answer to this. Maybe I'll ask okay. Chris when he obviously slides in my DMs. Um, <laughs> but um, does this apply to the pouched tuna? Because I feel like when they started putting the tuna in the pouches, I started doing that because I liked it better anyway. Like I didn't like mm-hmm. the, I felt like the tuna in the metal can tasted like metal. But if it was in a pouch, it just felt a little classier. I don't know. Now, the class action lawsuits refer to packaged seafood products, packaged. which does include the pouch. Okay, cool. So none of that. I will be eating so fresh I, fish from the, the little spot with the man there at the grocery store. I'll talk to a person. I'll interact with a person now, and I'll ask him so to do so brave of you. Look, it's not going to be easy, but I can't, <laughs> I can't do the canned tuna now that I know. I know too much. A- Unless, until to somebody be- comes out with the woke tuna. <laughs> If we do see the A cab, A can, A cab in a can tuna. <laughs> Wait, did we just come up with something? Should we should we trademark that right now? Wait, you want, oh my should god, should we go into business? I'm gonna do this part of the podcast. So that yeah, I'm- edit this out, and then we'll come out with a woke tuna, and then we'll release it alongside this episode with the sexiest giant, t- big like, titty tuna, gorgeous, big titty tuna, and allure That's- everyone towards our tuna. <laughs> And that stupid virgin and that bumblebee, they'll never. Those stupid glasses. Yeah. <laughs> they'll never 
keep up with They'll big never. titty a cab in a can tuna. Oh, and the CEO Bumble, Bumpy Tuna now still does exist. It's a woman CEO now. Oh, word, bitch. Yes. Girl boss. I think Jan Tharp, and she looks like a fake person. Of course her name is Jan. You can't be a CEO if your name's not Jan. Yep. Uh, here's an image for you of Jan. Does she look Tharp. like a Jan? She looks exactly like Jan. <laughs> oh my God, Jan! Uh, the pearl necklace. Yeah, Jan's head headshot really slays. Honestly, <laughs> she's girl bossing, and I might. What is she? She's Bumblebee. Yeah, Bumblebee. Okay, I might. President and CEO of Bumblebee Foods. We'll see. I'll, I'll keep an eye on Bumblebee. I don't know if I'll be a customer, but I'll keep an eye on them. <laughs> I see you, Jan. If you ever want to come over to a cab in a can, you know. <laughs> We have room for you. We're feminists. This has been an illuminating episode. <laughs> My pleasure. I have nothing to plug. Um, st- just Google me and then click on all of the links, I guess. I don't know. You click on that Spotify link. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because let me tell you, the dog song, genius. Oh, my gosh, the yes. I love that dog song. Drunk Girls on Their Divvies, so fucking good. Chicago. That's a Chicago song just for Chicago people. Yeah. Being your ass up and down Clark ice cream. It was based on a true story. I wrote that in a car as it was happening. So <laughs> I was on Clark and I was like, wow, I have to beat this bitch's ass. She was so drunk. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for listening to the Busted Business Bureau. I'll plug my social media is at Busted Biz Bureau. And I actually do have a fucking Patreon now. Uh, Give her money. I joke about it every single week. Yeah. The, so uh, the money, it's on patreon.com slash Busted Biz Bureau. And that's it. That's the whole thing. So. Uh, thank you so much for being on this episode. What a delight it is to have you here. Of course. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course. I will see you next time. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs)